iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome back to the Apple Store Soho for another exciting Meet the Filmmaker event. Uh, Meet the Filmmaker brings you up close and personal with some of today's top filmmakers. Uh, this event series is recorded as part of a podcast which is available for download on iTunes. So just search for Meet the Filmmaker and subscribe and check it out. As new episodes are released, you'll download them directly to iTunes and you can enjoy them if you are not able to attend the event here at the store. Uh, today we're very pleased to have uh, joining us Kevin Tancherowen, who is making his feature-length uh, directorial debut with the film Fame, which comes out on September 25th. Uh, a reinvention of the original Oscar-winning hit film, Fame follows a talented group of dancers, singers, actors, and artists over four years at the New York City High School of Performing Arts, a diverse creative powerhouse where students from all walks of life are given a chance to live out their dreams and achieve real and lasting fame, the kind that comes only from talent, dedication, and hard work. Uh, before we introduce tonight's special guest, please enjoy the trailer for the film, Fame. We've seen 150 students today. They all swear that they have a special gift to offer the school. Do you have a special gift? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Baby, look at me and tell me what you see. You ain't seen the best of me. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. Nice. My parents would die if they saw that. They think everyone practicing cello all day. I was the best singer at my old school. How do you know if you're good enough? She's hot. But she thinks she's like the most talented kid in the school. Maybe she is. This girl is amazing. You guys produce? And I'm actually working on a track right now. Every teenager on this block wants to be the next rapper or singer. Wow, I'm talented. And who in the world told you you were so special? You did. Everything you want to change about yourself. All the parts of yourself that you keep secret. It's your power. It's who you are. Guest moderating tonight's Meet the Filmmaker event, she returns to us from USA Today's Pop Candy blog, Whitney Matheson. Uh, at this time, please welcome director Kevin Tancherowen and Whitney Matheson. It's good to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. 
it, uh, I love Apple, so this is kind of a unique experience for me. Yeah. yeah. And th there's some technical things that you may want to discuss that we can get into later that, yeah. okay, that people here at the Apple Store might particularly appreciate. But, yeah, no, um, I, I pretty much used almost, uh, I used Final Cut, Logic Studio, and the 15-inch Mac Pro uh, in all of my pre-visualization stuff, so. But, but that trailer, that doesn't, hearing that song, I love how you, you guys, was it really important to you to keep the song the same from the original yeah, film? Yeah, because everyone knows the theme song, even if they don't want to, they remember the chant in their head. So um, I, we had to keep it. it. It was popular in the movie. It was popular in the television show. And the, and the, the fact that the melody still exists today as a part of pop culture is quite unique. So we, you, we wanted to do that. And we didn't want to change it too much to... Uh, piss off people who love the original. Obviously, we had to update the beat, but I was, it, it, was, it was a hard one to do because you'll never have fans who love it or, and all of them. They're going to hate it, some of them, some are going to love them. Um, but as long as we kept the melody, I think hopefully we uh, retained some of the integrity. Yeah. Now, I am a big fan of the original movie, and particularly the TV series. I was a big Leroy fan. How, uh, how familiar were you with the film, and were you also a fame fan to begin yeah, with? Yeah, I was very familiar with the film. I wasn't so familiar with the television show. I had watched the first season, but it's amazing how this brand actually took very different routes. You know, the, the television series, to me, was quite different than the film, and, and the musical the live stage musical was also quite different. I was always a fan of the uh, film just because I, I liked the tone quite a bit. But also I appreciated the, uh, the you know, carefree nature that the television show had as well. There was an exuberance in there that was quite unique. The, the, film, the first film for me was uh, amazing because of how honest and, and gritty it was. You know, and, and the musicals that I tend to like are more the sweet charities and all that jazz. Uh, kind of musical. You know, Bob Fosse, I think, really was able to do it right. So those were my favorite. And fame was right there in that category. So your, your fame and the original fame, aside from the theme song, is there anything the two have in common? Um, n not really. I mean, we, we, we've retained some of the songs. We have the theme song. We have the, uh, the beautiful ballad, Out Here on My Own, because I think that is a timeless ballad. And uh, we've done our own version of the Cafeteria jam, uh, jam which I think it was, it was called Hot Lunch. Which, actually, there's a fun fact about that. <laughs> um, that was the original name of the film. The original name of the movie was called Hot Lunch. And they changed it. Because in 1980, there was an adult film being made called Hot Lunch. <laughs> so, I, I, it's, it's funny totally that you can actually like see the connection. In the, in the, yeah, it's, but that's a different story. So they changed it, and thank God they did, because I think fame makes much more sense, and a remake of a movie called Hot Lunch can only exist on late night showtime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I was very, you know, I, I loved it a lot, and the things that we've uh, retained are those. Uh, we've kept a structure. It's four years. It's an ensemble piece. It takes place from auditions, and you grow up with them all the way to senior year. Um, but we wanted to tell all new stories because the, the thing that made the original was, uh, so cool was that those characters really reflected that time period. And um, I don't think we can just completely uh, copy them over to 2009 because it might not make sense. So we wanted to update the characters, um, tell new storylines, and why not? Because if you have a whole school full of artists, there's a lot of stories to be told. So um, yeah, we changed all the characters, all new storylines, a lot of new music, but I uh, wanted to retain the core integrity that the film, the first film had. So. 
And then there wasn't really any hip hop in the original movie, and now in this one, it seems to be there's a whole lot of. Well, actually, you know what? It's it, it, it's funny when this question comes up because um, I I really tried to to include it, but not have it overtake the film because mm-hmm. I feel like there are a lot of movies for younger people that include hip hop as its main focus, um, especially also with the dancing as well, and they're extremely entertaining, whether to be you know Stomp the Yard or the Step Up movies, uh, and. Uh, didn't want to step into that territory. And first of all, if you're going to New York High School Performing Arts, they don't teach hip-hop. Um, it's, it's ballet, it's modern, it's jazz, it's tap, it's African. But hip-hop is more of an extracurricular activity that you go take at Broadway Dance Center at night if you feel like it. Um, but they don't offer that training. So I wanted to include hip-hop as it's part of the culture, but it's not the focus at any, at any one of the school's teachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about the casting process and what was your strategy behind it? Did you want to put only unknown people in the roles? Or? Well, casting was very was a, a difficult one because it, it took a long time to find them. Um, I was adamant about making them uh, other, either unknowns or up-and-comers because I think there is a version of this film that could have been done with the current young pop sensations, but it wouldn't have been as engaging um, because they're superstars already and the movie is about young people wanting to work hard to achieve success or achieve some sort of fame later in their life. That if you put people like, I guess you can say like a Zach, would be a Zach Efron, would probably be a lot of people's instant idea, um, then you kind of lose that engaging quality where you meet them and grow up with them in the movie. And I was very adamant about uh, doing that. Um, there was a lot of ambitions in casting because, you know, we're asking them to do quite a bit. We're asking some of them to dance, some of them to sing and uh, play instruments. So we, we had to find those triple threats, which was quite difficult. But, you know, once we found the actors who were actors first and they were really good at acting um, and say they had played piano when they were younger, we put them in boot camp and said, well, you have a piano teacher now for four months, so you have to practice every day. And we're not just going to tell you to learn big pieces. You just don't learn Beethoven and Mozart. We're going to select certain bars for you to learn that are going to be on screen so you can master that and look comfortable doing it. Um, We were also uh, pretty adamant about casting the uh, background players, the extras, to be realistic as well. Because I think in a school like this or a movie like this, you really run the risk of being a little hokey with people in the background just you know going like this or playing the bongos and it becomes a little bit more of a circus so we went to real schools and um you know handpicked some people who looked like they can actually carry an instrument because that's what they do um and just wanted to keep the creative energy that you get when you go to a school like this so i think um, this is your first feature film, and for people who aren't familiar with you, maybe talk a little bit about your background and how you got to this place where you're you're directing fame and you're, what, 25 years old? I, I always started off as a technical guy. Um, I actually started off uh, editing, um, you know, in Final Cut, and then I, I was doing a lot of video editing for... for um, Britney Spears is her tours that I would have to compile a lot of footage and and cut them for the screens that were on you know the big uh, video screens at her tours. But I was also into remixing music. I had like an MPC and and Logic when it was uh, when the first versions came out a while ago before Apple picked it up and, and made it better. Um, and I would 
be doing a lot of mu music remixes for uh, InSync and, and Britney, helping out a friend of mine named Wade Robson who uh, was directing the shows. And he was the choreographer. And he's also a technical guy, too. He's the one that actually got me started in music producing. So, um, you know, I was also a dancer, oddly enough, because uh, my sister was in a singing group on Motown uh, called Pretty in Pink with Shaka Khan's daughter. And I was around, she's nine years older than I am. So I was five, and I had to be dragged to her rehearsals all the time. And I had an obnoxious amount of energy. So I, had to, I ended up starting to pick up the dance moves. So my mother put me in dance classes, and I ended up going out for jobs and getting them, and just kind of started getting in that world. I joined a dance company, worked professionally, and then I became a choreographer when I was uh, 17. When oh, I was 17, wow. I, I choreographed a Britney Spears music video, uh, Me Against the Music, with Madonna. And then she asked me to direct her tour when I was 19. So when I was 19, I directed her, her world tour. And um, I was still doing my other duties as doing music remixes and video editing. So I liked, I liked combining all the elements uh, technically to so the, uh, make for the bigger picture. This whole time when you're 17 or 19, are you thinking that your goal is to direct a film? Yeah, you know, I've always... Uh, I've always wanted to direct a film. I've always wanted to be a director. My, my dad is a transpo coordinator for feature films, so I would always be able to go to sets with him and hang out and watch the process. Um, I always thought it was an ambitious goal to be uh, a director. So my first goal was actually to be Stan Winston. I really wanted to be Stan Winston or Rick Baker. Uh, I, I fell in love with the special effects process, mm -hmm. like uh, creature making and pumpkin head and aliens and uh, that whole world. So I got involved in that, um, but slowly just decided that uh, directing was something that I wanted to do. And, and my career in stage directing had started to work, so I, I went for that. And um, I think this was a, a good natural first film for me because of my background. Um, so are you, did you choreograph anything in this movie? No, um, I had a choreographer friend of mine named Marguerite Derricks, who's, uh, she's amazing. She, she choreographs uh, stuff all the way from Austin Powers down to Showgirls. So, yeah, quite, quite a leap. But she does, she does a lot of choreography. She's great at jazz. She was actually in the television series of fame as a dancer, so it was a perfect fit. Um, but, yeah, the process for this is always quite interesting. You know, when we were in rehearsal, we never wanted to take this coverage approach, which I felt has become this popular MTV acidic style, which is, um, you know, you see the dance, then the director comes in, and says, okay, well, let's get me five cameras, and you're on feet, and you're on hands, and you're on a close-up of the main actor, and we'll have a wide dolly swinging back and forth, and, and we'll cut it later, and we'll try to do it that way. Um, I had always made the analogy that uh, performance numbers should be as equally as important the way you craft an action sequence or a car chase. So, you know, we went into the studio, there was bits of choreography done, uh, and we always let the um, other element respond to the other. So, you know, if, if uh, there was a camera move that we liked, we decided to formulate a piece of choreography around the camera move. Or if there was a dance move, we would figure out the best way to shoot it. Um, and say there was a, a camera move that would take four extra bars to, to accomplish, we had to adjust it to the music as well. So it was a constant technical um, nudging in the room, in the rehearsal space, because we had a we had Logic Pro set up so we can adjust the music. We had Final Cut open so we can import these clips that we were doing on us, shooting on this Panavision mini DV system where you can attach 35 lenses to. So we were able to shoot uh, with the lenses that we were going to be shooting on set and create our own 
real, real live pre-visualization animatic, essentially, because we had the dancers in the room. So we shot it in the rehearsal room and um, got it to a good point and put it in a Final Cut and popped out a DVD and we had our, had our animatic. And by the time we reached set, it was just a paint-by-numbers chart at that point, and we had all the music cues set up in Logic so that you can just play it back. We had the playback system on set. Um, so it was a constant uh, back and forth with me and the choreographer because we were always like, you know, I really want to do this camera move. Can you design something that'll uh, look good to it? And then it was, you know, we would come up with certain things and vice versa, and the DP had a lot of say as well. Um, but I always thought that was better than just, you know, letting them do their thing, coming in, and then just shooting the crap out of it. <laughs> and what are some things that you might have learned working with Britney and Madonna and other artists in your other projects before coming to this movie? Um, a lot of rehearsal. A lot of rehearsal, because those, 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 uh, those guys rehearse a lot, and their work ethic is very high. I know there's a, you know, there's the public image of Britney and Madonna and the tabloid versions of them, but uh, you know the the version I always was around was when it was time to work, and uh, they worked all the time. So I, I really tried to kind of pick up their work ethic, and Madonna is is nonstop. So. And I've heard you don't really consider this movie a musical. Well, I don't even know if I consider the first one a musical. I mean, it was a drama that had a lot of music in it. Um, but they never broke out into song. I mean, I guess Hot Lunch was the most musical moment. Um, but they never turned the camera and started snapping their fingers and stepping towards us. Um, so in this one, we wanted to you know, keep that as well. And all of the musical elements are just integrated into the narrative um, to progress the story further and the character further. So they all have meaning to the, to the story. It's not um, you know, pulled to the wide shot and the whole cafeteria is doing Thriller. <laughs> yeah. So what are some movies you mentioned, like Bob Fosse movies? And are there other films that you kind of look to for inspiration? Well, there are, he, was, he was the master at, at doing what I exactly said. Right. I, I mean, besides Sweet Charity is a straight up, straightforward musical, but all that jazz uh, to me was a masterpiece because um, the numbers were extremely entertaining, but they were all storytelling. Um, and the way he intercut music numbers in cabaret were also very emotional because he would, he would have that uh, good juxtaposition between what was going on in real life to what was going on on stage life. And I think Rob Marshall actually did that very well in Chicago. But, you know, those were musicals at the same time. So those were actually two of my big influences were, were, were um, Bob Fosse doing all that jazz and Sweet Charity and stuff that actually Stanley Donnan had done. I was, I was always been a big fan of Stanley Donnan. Um, a lot of people might not know him, but he's like Gene Kelly's technical guru. He kind of figured out how to, how to make all those musical numbers work um, in a time where special effects wasn't as easy as just doing it in a computer. They were doing it all in camera. Um, and I appreciated the way he held on a wide shot for longer than you know a minute and mm -hmm. let the performer do their thing. Um, it's so rare nowadays to just watch a wide shot. Um, because there's all these cuts in them. I think, you know, if you watch Singing in the Rain, I think there's three cuts in the whole sequence with Gene Kelly, and that's amazing. So those were my three biggest ones. And, you know, on a spectacle level, I think everyone's influenced by Busby Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, there's some experienced actors in this movie. Kelsey Grammer is also in it, along with B.B. Newworth and Megan Mullally. Is it intimidating? Have you, because you haven't really worked with, with actors like that before. No, you know, I, I, they weren't that intimidating because they were, they were very, very, very friendly and very professional. And we all hired them and cast them for very specific reasons, too. They wanted to do this. Um, you know, Kelsey Grammer went to Juilliard, so he was able to emulate a music teacher very well and bring his old experiences back. B.B. Newworth is a Fosse-trained dancer. She was in Chicago. I mean, the girl is New York dance. So um, she was able to step right back into shoes and play the dance teacher. Megan Mullally is an is a incredible singer on Broadway, and she plays our singing teacher. And um, Charles Dutton uh, plays our acting coach, and he was able to step right in those shoes because uh, I believe a long time ago he ran an after-school program for inner-city kids that was an acting program. And um, he, was, he was teaching Tupac uh, acting, teaching him Ibsen and Shakespeare. Oh, wow. And, and uh, so he was able to bring his experiences to that as well. So with that kind of authenticity, we really just sat down and became a collaborative back and forth. Um, it was never, you know, this is a script, this is what you have to say. Because they've all lived these experiences, it'd be like, oh, here are the beats in the scene, but let's come up with some sort of authentic, you know, authentic dialogue that you would say in an acting class or a vocal class. Like, for instance, Megan Mullally uh, was teaching a singing class in the, in the movie, and um, she brought up this fact where, you know, my teacher used to always say, you know, I want you to go home and write down the lyrics like they were a monologue and practice the song as if it were a monologue without singing it. This way you can uh, learn the emotions first because there's no point in uh, singing the lyrics if you have no idea what you're talking about. Because you can have a beautiful voice, but if your uh, delivery doesn't have an emotional texture to it, it means nothing. So that, you know, that was something out of her brain, and she brought it to the movie. And uh, same thing for all of them. And Debbie Allen is in it too. And you she can't do fame without Debbie Allen. I know. Did she come <laughs> and like? Did she tell any fame stories? Did oh yeah. Any? I mean, she is fame. I mean, it's fantastic. I actually now, there, if there was one regret I have in the movie, is that she didn't have her wooden stick. Oh. Yeah. The um. I thought of that later, and I just beat myself <laughs> about it because it would have been great to just bring back, even if it was just sitting on the podium right next to her, it would be a good callback. Um, but she was great. She was very supportive of this because uh, she knew the kind of movie we were trying to make, and she's been wanting to bring back the fame brand for a while, and uh, she's great. I mean, she told us the old stories and um, how well, much fun well, they had. Yeah, tell me one. What's, what's like a well, good... Well, she was just saying how many hours of film they shot for the auditions and how the Leroy dance, and actually it's a famous scene now, the, the uh, Leroy's audition was just so... Um, it was all him. Like, mm -hmm. there was nothing choreographed about that. It was just him doing his thing. Um, and she was just telling how, uh, how everyone on that set was just real raw, powerful talent. Um, and she was just humbled to be around him. Um, and now she's a superstar. I mean, she's producer, director, actor, everything. She's yeah. fantastic. Well, um, before we get to some audience questions, I want to ask, you already have another movie lined up, and what, it's produced? But how is Brett Ratner yeah, involved? Yeah, well, we're, we're writing it right now. Um, it's not going to be my uh, next film. It's something called Arcana. Um, um, a guy named John Ridley is writing it right now, and he just wrote uh, Red Wings for uh, George Lucas. And I was thrilled to get him because this, is a, this movie is actually a sci-fi action film. That, uh, and that was a genre that I've always been interested in. You know, at, I, was, I grew up as a video game comic book nerd who loved Ninja Turtles. So that got swept up into dance somehow because it was cool. <laughs> you know, it was a cool thing to do. Um, 
So it, it's called Arcana. It's a sci-fi action movie. It's going to be set in a backdrop that's similar to Blade Runner. Doesn't mean it's going to be raining all the time, but it's going to be that post. <laughs> I heard a laugh. Yeah. It's going to look like Blade Runner. We're going to use some production techniques that are similar to 300, the way they were able to uh, really, you know, groundbreaking. It was great. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's gonna, it's going to be pretty, pretty out there, too. Um, I, you know, I referenced the Warriors quite a bit for the, the tone of the film. <laughs> oh, I know I'm saying great. all these great movies that it's, I'm just referencing, but I don't want to give too much away because we're, we're writing it right now, and John's doing a really good job. And Brett Ratner is producing it, so... That should be cool. It sounds about yeah. as different from fame as possible. I know. I know. I know. But, um, you know, f- I hope people watch fame uh, as a drama um, with good musical moments because they are very entertaining. Um, but, yeah, I've always, it's always been, uh, I've always wanted to do sci-fi in action. That's, that's where uh, my heart's always been, and my heart's always been in dancing and performing arts as well. So, I mean, I, I love that I can jump genres. And mm-hmm. I don't think any director ever likes to get in the corner with the genre. It's something that I think people like Danny Boyle do so well. Well, you can jump from Slumdog to 28 Days yeah. Later, then Train Spotting, and then um, there was a uh, movie called The Two Little Boys, Million or something like that. Oh, and, yeah. and then Sunshine. It's like it's amazing. He can just do random genres all over the map. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to do that. Because I think there is a, uh, a musicality to action sequences. That are you know you may not know that, but there is a pacing structure to action sequences that are that are, are very musical, whether it be you know slowing down the pacing and moments of pause and moments of silence and then ramping it back up to a crescendo there's a definite musical element to all action sequences, and that's why when you put it to score, it works so well because it is like somewhat of an opera brand um, and then uh, I want to bring my sensibility choreography into fight sequences because I you know I, I Grown up watching a lot of martial arts films, um, a lot of Shaw Brothers films, and now I'm watching a lot of Donnie Yen films. And uh, I think that, you know, doing some fight choreography is going to be you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think we can see if there are any questions from yeah, the if, audience. If there are any. <laughs> if there are any, raise your hand and we can have a mic come to you. I was just going to ask how, how you made the transition from, a, it seemed like more choreographic type of directing into actually dealing with successful actors. Um, you know, how did I make the transition? Like, in other words, did you go take classes or work well, with you know, a director? Actually, I did take, I did take some uh, classes uh, at UCLA. Um, I've always been more of a self-learner. You know, I, I've always been big on buying tutorial books and, and DVDs and watching those how-to programs. Uh, uh, I know I, that's how I learned Final Cut. Um, that's how I learned Pro Tools. That's how I learned Logic. Um, it was all hands-on and just experiencing it yourself. Um, the transition w- was a, a unique one because I've always wanted to be more in the background and I was always the technical guy first uh, before the choreography. So that's how what really started me. And the choreography thing became an, an addition um, to something that I was, uh, I was doing. But when I went into Lakeshore Entertainment, who's the production company on this, they knew I'd, I'd always wanted to be a choreographer. And, you know, choreographers turning into directors has become a recent trend, and thank God it has. I mean, um, Rob Marshall being one, um, Ann Fletcher being another one, um, and Adam Shankman also being another one. Um, so I went in with, uh, you know, little expectations, 
didn't think I was going to get it, but I, I really talked about all my older references. And they liked that I had a, a youthful perspective on this type of movie, but also had very, uh, you know, classic references to, to bring up. So um, they, I had to cut the, I, I cut sizzle reels all the time. And that's something that um, is a must now for directors, especially directors starting out. Um, you can really show your, your sensibility for timing and pacing uh, with cutting your own sizzle reel. And basically what you do is just you, you take a bunch of movies that are uh, influenced to you for that particular project, and uh, you cut like a mock trailer. You know, do your own voiceover or do your own graphics and uh, cut together something that's around a good four minutes. And this way they can get the tone of the movie that you like. Like when I did Arcana, uh, I cut together a sizzle reel. You know, and I put all the movies that I mentioned in it. Blade Runner to, to Sin City to 300 and, uh, you know, other, other films from um, Asia, whether it be Flashpoint or something called Ip Man or Fatal Contact and Dragon Tiger Gate. Like, so it shows that your references are also something that maybe not, are, that are unique to you. So the sizzle reel is, is the most valuable tool to uh, aspiring directors now. So I think there's a term called ripomatic now, which is, you know, um, they know that I'm using references from other films, and as long as you have a good dialogue to back it up, um, that just becomes an, an extension of your presentation. So you, you, you have to be unique with your voice and your pitch and your vocal pitch. Um, and the sizzle reel is just a, a visual um, feast for them to go, okay, I get it. I get the tone now. I get what it's going to look like. I get the references, and um, it looks good. But um, you have to have both. You know, if you just show them the reel, then yeah, someone might go, well, that's, you're just showing me other movies. But if you, if you have the vocal pitch to back it up, then it makes a big difference. Any more questions? What was your favorite part of making the movie? Um, I, I, working with the, um, with the actors who were all pretty new, where it was, uh, their exuberance was, was quite high. And they were all very happy to be on set. And they were all very, very creative people. So I actually really enjoyed the collaborative process um, because I thought that was the, the most unique way to, to bring a lot of people on, on one page and you know be very creative. I actually very very much so welcome ideas all the time, um, even with the, you know with the crew members as well because it, it, I I understood that they're really good at their job. They're there for a reason. Um, they've done more movies than I have, and the more that you can make a, a project collaborative, I think the better product it ends up becoming. Just because uh, you have so many creative people around you, so I think being collaborative with the cast was probably my favorite. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Were you, were you a part of the casting of those characters? Yes. And also, when you mentioned the sizzle reel, who, do, who is they that you're showing it to? Oh, um, you know, it's showing it to the producers of the film, um, showing them to the studio as well, uh, and, and just the people who are responsible for hiring you. So they, I would say that it's, uh, it's the main producers of the movie, and um, after that, it's the studio. Hi. Because you started out at such a young age, were there any type of obstacles that you had to face? Um, you, you know, there were no big obstacles as far as... Uh, I, I think, you know, when, when being young, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of risk of partying when you're around this kind of environment. Um, and something that I actually think is true to form with the movie itself is... Uh, um, I really always was focused on just working 
um, I know when I was on I was on the road with Britney and InSync, and being on tour is a whole other lifestyle. But uh, I think I had the luxury of not being old enough <laughs> to party that I, w- I was locked in a room with my computer. Um, so, you know, as far as the obstacles, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of obstacles. I mean, there's a lot of uh, failures, too. Uh, and I've had a lot, of, a lot of those and a lot of disappointments as well. Um, and you just kind of have to learn to deal with them and, and, and roll off your back. Because the second you start letting that affect you a lot, um, it's the second you quit. And then that's never good because, you know, I've had many disappointments until fame. And if I had quit, then then that wouldn't have been good. So, I mean, those are uh, a lot of things. You know, I've made a lot of sizzle reels, a lot of pitches, and some of them have went. Some of them have been successful. Some of them have been canceled. Some of them have not done well, and there's a lot of criticism. So, and there's going to be a lot of criticism on this, too. Um, but I think you have, to, you have to be willing to, to handle those. My question to you is that the remake, any remake is a tall order to, you know, to match. And it's going to be, you know, what are your hopes for that? Because fame really, like, spawned off an entire decade of dance movies. And I'm one of the people who actually saw the movie young and went to the high school. And, you know, it was very impactful to a lot of people's lives. What are your hopes for the film? All right. Well, that's a a great question, actually. Because, um, yeah, when you remake anything, you you run that risk. Because, um, you know, Fame was such a powerful movie and it was such a great movie. Um, what you have to do is walk in very humbled by this and, and, and not try to outdo that movie. Um, and that's why we really made a bold choice not to really make it a remake. I mean, we didn't want to have Leroy and Coco and Bruno because those are prized characters. that he, I, I, And I cherish the memories of those characters that if you had tried to do it and tried to do it better, it's never a good thing to, to do. All you can do, I think, is, is try to... Uh, try to tap into the power and the inspiration that the first film had. Um, so that's what we really, really were adamant about doing, was making sure we kept the core integrity and, and the power and the message without trying to you know, outdo the original. Because the original is a masterpiece, and you, you can't do that. And, and, and every movie is different. So we really tried to make our own, our own movie um, with the same messages and the same uh, you know, excitement and, and hopefully we will influence a whole new generation um, in the way the first film influenced that time period and, and that generation. I hope there's an, a whole new group of young people who watch this movie and actually get the exact same feeling that maybe you had or I had when watching the first film. Because the first film is part of the reason that I am now here you know, in my career. So if people are able to do that while watching this, this film, then uh, that, that's all I can hope for and hope that they get entertained uh, in the process. Hi. You had mentioned um, that you learned from Brittany and Madonna that you witnessed how hard they work and how much rehearsal they had. And I was, um, that's great that you had so much rehearsal. Did you have that also with the scene work or mainly just with the choreography? Yes. You know, I am a strong, strong uh, believer in, in pre-production. So we had a very extensive rehearsal period, especially for a movie like this when you're asking your, your cast members to dance and sing and, and act. I mean, we had a, a lot of acting scene works, uh, coaching uh, close to every day because it was, a, it was a, a big cast. We had 10 characters. So to kind of get that chemistry. And, and there was also an evolution in the movie as far as, you know, you, they start in freshman. And they go all the way to senior year. And we really wanted to reflect the kinds of changes that teenagers go through in high school. And their personality shifts, their confidence either goes up or goes down. 
Um, so there's a lot of little, even little things that we wanted to uh, work on with body language shifting a little bit with their confidence or, um, and we tried to do that every day. Um, and it was a pretty extensive pre-production period, but we, we needed it, you know, we really needed it. Are there any members out of the 10 cast members that you think are going to be breakout stars? Um, you know, definitely, definitely. Um, I, it's really hard for me to pick specific ones, though, because they're all doing very different parts in the movie. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a girl named Natari who's got a great voice, and she's going to break out from that. Um, we have a girl named Kay Panabaker who's a great actress who's going to you know, break out from that. And, and there's a guy named Asher who's got a, who plays piano very well and sings while he's playing piano. So I think we really have a lot of, uh, a lot of stars here that are all going to break out, but in very specific ways. Um, I think Naturi's going to go on to have a, get a record deal. You know? I think Kay will probably be in a lot of, lot of movies and Asher will continue his singing career. And I think the breakout stars are all, are all uh, in this film and they're all going to, you know, Carrington is a great dancer um, and she's already kind of a star in her own right from So You Think You Can Dance. But I hope that um, we can create a cast that's as memorable as the first one or like The Breakfast Club or, you know, things like that where, where they, people really kind of uh, want to see these characters in other films. So I think we have quite a few breakout stars in this movie. Okay, um, I'm thinking you're from L.A., but I don't know. Anyhow, you keep uh, referring to school because it's from 9th through 12th grade, but since you were already working at 17, did you finish and complete high school? Yes, I completed high school. I went to uh, a small school named uh, Montclair in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and, yeah, and then I, you know, for my last year, I had to be homeschooled because I went on the road. But uh, my school was, was quite lenient with letting me do some work on the road and send it back and so forth. But um, yeah, no, I, I went through the high school and graduated. How did you um, end up going on the road so Sorry, young? Sorry, say that one more time? How did you end up going on the road so young? How did you put um, yourself out there? Because uh, I, when I, in 19, the 1999 Video Music Awards was my first performance with uh, Britney. And I was a dancer at the time. Um, and my friend was choreographing and named Wade Robson. Um, he had asked me, you know, you do a lot of technical stuff. Well, you, do you mind coming on the road with me? Because I'm about to direct InSync's tour. Um, I said, yeah, I got to check with my school. Um, and so they let me do it. And uh, I had to get emancipated. So I had to do that. Um, and then I just, at night when uh, we were done working, I had to do my schoolwork. How important is it to network? Um, in the industry that you're in right now? Uh, it very, very much so. It, it's always important. Um, networking will never stop. You know, there's never... In the moment you kick up your, your foot and start relaxing and, and you lose the hustle, it's the second that you, you stop, you know, you stop getting the jobs. And I, I really do believe in that uh, networking. And you know, there's a whole level of politics, you know, m besides the creativity. There's a huge, huge amount of politics and it's just dealing with people. And... Um, the more you network, you know, the more uh, opportunities are going to come up. And randomly, you might not know that the person you're talking to has a product or project five years later, and they remember you about talking about it. Um, so networking is always important, very important. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Kevin, so much for coming. And Fame opens September 25th, so don't forget, go see it. And, yeah, thank you guys for coming. This Thanks, has been guys. great. Thanks.